Hey there, folks. Welcome back to No Wristbands We Drink for Free. We're thrilled to have producer, mixer, engineer extraordinaire Sean O'Keefe on the show. Growing up in Wilmette and currently living in Evanston, Sean talked with us about how he came to produce Fall Out Boy's debut album, Take This to Your Grave. He's also worked with artists like Motion City Soundtrack, Hawthorne Heights, Plain White Tees, and is currently working on the new Beach Bunny record. As an aside, although both Mark and I are Beach Bunny fans, neither of us realize that they have 9 million monthly listeners on Spotify. Holy crap. Can't wait to hear that new one. Anyway, hope you enjoyed this one as much as we did. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and X, and check out all our written content at NoWristbands.com. Thanks for listening. All right, uh, it is Mark Joyner, back as always with my co-host Papa Novak, and we are doing a remote show tonight. We are at the recording studio of Chicago musician, record producer, engineer, Sean O'Keefe. Sean, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Oh, man, living the dream. I should say that we've cheated and we've been talking for like the past like half hour, so yeah. uh, it's, it's. I feel like we're, we're revved up, we're warmed up now. So. Indeed. Totally. Uh, <laughs> And drinking some Miller High Life. Yes, drinking High Lifes. Love the High Life. Uh, So the first question I have is, people have a lot of thoughts around (laughs) what a producer, an engineer is when it comes to recording music. So why don't you zoom us out and talk about what it is in in layman's terms? Yeah, and and what's the difference between a producer, a mixer, an engineer? Okay. Um, What what, what are those roles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good question. Um, I think, uh, okay, so I'm going to start with what I think is the easiest one to answer first, um, uh, which I would say is maybe a mixer or engineer, because they're a little bit more like uh, technical jobs-ish. Actually, the... Let's start with the engineer, because I think that's like kind of a technical job, so to speak. Um, So, like, you know, traditionally, uh, a recording engineer is, you know, if you rewind way the hell back um, (laughs) in a recording studio, you you know, you you probably had like a producer and you had an engineer and then you had like what they might call like a second engineer or an assistant or whatever. But the engineer is basically in layman's terms was the guy or girl responsible for operating the recording equipment, you know, pretty simply put, like you're supposed to be able to, in those days, understand how to, you know, operate a tape machine and, um, and hit record and get the levels right and set up the microphones and know, um, what microphone might need phantom power or, you know, like what microphone can't be too close to the source and like all of these technical things to facilitate, uh, getting music recorded, um, basically and played back correctly. You know, I Mm -hmm. think like, that's the most fundamental level of it. And then, um, you know, and then it grows from there. Like in today's era, um, an engineer is, uh, I mean, really engineering is, is, it's the same shit basically. Like, (laughs) you know, it's like you're there to technically make sure it works and, and ideally, you know, sounds good. And you have some concept of um, balance and um, like tonal balance and, 
um, whatever. But like, you know, although, see, this is such a tricky question because now you, you start to get into like, in my mind, producing uh, because you get into like kind of taste and like um, and style and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And you could argue like an engineer's job is just a technical job. And if they have it all working, that all the taste lands on the band or the producer or whatever. Um, so, okay, so that's an engineer. Um, mixer, I'm going to go there next. Um, okay. uh, mixer, that happens for like in layman's terms, that's uh, after the record or recording has uh, been finished. Uh, hopefully, usually, <laughs> ideally, um, uh, not always. Uh, and and basically that is taking all of the recorded material that's like on a multi-track, meaning it's all separate, um, and effectively combining it um, to uh, have one cohesive sound uh, so that it, it, it sounds, you know, however the mixer or the producer or the artist or whoever is in charge wants it to sound, you know, um, it's kind of an extension of the engineer. Like in the old days, there weren't mixers. Like there, the mixer was the engineer. It was like, mm-hmm. there wasn't like the mixer. <laughs> it was like, um, the engineer now mixes, you know, like, and, and when you like way back when, when we had like, when we, I wasn't alive when they <laughs> had like a four track Your tape machine. Uh-huh. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, like when the Beatles had a four track tape machine and they recorded, um, you know, four tracks, uh, then it was like time to do the mix. And like you had four things yeah. to balance and you had like <laughs> maybe like in like a high and low EQ on each channel or you had such minimal uh, things to work with that like it pr- it probably would be absurd to take longer than like an hour to do a mix. I, sure. I mean, I wasn't there. So what the hell do I know? But like, um, when today you like think of the opposite, it's like you can get handed like an infinite amount of tracks with an infinite amount of decisions. And, and so that's kind of why I think of a mixer as like a, it's a technical job because you need to understand um, all of the equipment and the gain staging and the whatever, the routing and all this stuff so that it like it, it doesn't blow the roof off in a bad way um, or explode. Um, like, uh, but it's also artistic and like because there are so many decisions that often get shaped during the mix today um, that that couldn't probably have been made. 50 or 60 years ago because things were just um they were locked into place mm-hmm. but but today it's the digital age you know anything can be changed so 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 the mixer tends to or at least when when I'm mixing records for other people or even records I've made um I have a lot of freedom uh so to speak of of like artistic freedom if given or or yeah. I have the option to have mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. know a lot can be changed in a mix um but anyway, that's what it is in layman's terms. Uh, I also sometimes like uh, um, relate it to a little bit like like if you were making a movie, it might be looked at like the editing stage. Like okay. everything is shot, you know, like and now you're kind of putting the pieces together kind of, but it's not like yeah. the best like analogy or whatever. Um, and then, okay, producing, man, this one is like, <laughs> um, this thing is, it's such a, it's such a broad term and 
and I think that there are at least like I could probably describe like 10 versions of producing that are all, um, you know, are, are all like, um, all have value, you know, yeah. and, but are totally different. And, um, especially today when, uh, producing and like songwriting and produce like and producing and engineering have started to kind of blur lines and and meld together but like but uh traditionally i think um i think producing if you rewind way back was like um i think it was like the person who was uh literally like their responsibility was the budget for the record mm-hmm. um and to make sure the record like got done like to like produce <laughs> the a adult result. in the room yeah totally yeah, yeah. the adult uh, in the room <laughs> uh and and i think like i think that's what it started as and and then there were sometimes like songwriters in the room who were like arrangers and um and and then they melded into producers um and then um and then I think you had like engineers who kind of like melded into producers and they wanted to get more and like creatively into, into the mix of things. But, um, for me, ultimately a producer's job is to, um, is to make sure that whatever the vision or the sound or the aesthetic of the band is, is, uh, comes screaming loud and clear through the speakers to the listener. Like I like that. Th- that that's the goal. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of ways to get there. Um and so yeah, it, if that means you got to help them with songwriting or if you whatever it is, it, 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 I don't think it makes any difference. That's the goal for me. Yeah. Um you're there to like nurture things along, it seems like. Yeah. Um because ultimately as a listener, like as a music fan, um, you're, you're trying not to like hear the production. You're, you're just trying to hear the energy of, of the intention of the songwriter. And so really good production just gives you a, a really clear lens into that. Um, and, and kind of gets out of the way, uh, uh, you know, so to speak, but like it, it highlights like all of the, important attributes of that artist, you know, mm-hmm. that are most interesting. Um, that's probably how I would describe a producer's role, but it gets deeper than that. So when you, when you work with a band, do they have to like distill what their essence is to you? Or are you hmm. extracting that and saying like, Hey, uh, we totally buried the lead here. You've worked with fall Out boy. You've worked with beach bunny. You've worked with plain white tees with, and amongst various other bands, right? Are you like, Hey, uh, Beach Bunny, I think of you as X. Or are they saying, like, here's what our vision is. Help us achieve that. Yeah, I think it it definitely changes with every artist. Um, I think often when you have a, 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 a great artist, um, there is no discussion because it's obvious. Okay. Like, um, and it's like if you go, you know, like when we go see a band we love, like – you don't need to think about what they sound like, you know, or what's exciting about them. Like it's pretty obvious. And, and so um, I think that generally speaking, uh, 
it's just something that you hopefully pick up on and and you're working towards and and if things are feel misguided or if it feels like it's getting off track then maybe that discussion happens you know like mm-hmm. or you talk about it um and it's totally fair to say that like you know um artists especially i think new, like younger artists who are starting out will come in and be like you know these are the bands i love or the artists Mm -hmm. i love or records i love and and that can be helpful because like they're starting to shape their sound and they may not know um exactly what their sound is Mm -hmm. like you know they're experimenting and um and they haven't landed on it quite yet and and so then that conversation um i found to be helpful as like a jumping off point, Mm -hmm. but it's also a dangerous conversation because like, (laughs) you know, you you don't want to try and emulate anything. You you ultimately can't emulate anything. Um, And um, there's a big difference between emulation and like inspiration, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so being inspired by something is, I think is totally uh, is great. Um, and then, but then emu- trying to emu- emulate something is like, is a fucking nightmare. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so obviously the, the, the mixing, the mixer comes at a later stage, but the, yeah. basically the producer and the engineer are working at the same time as the music's being made. Yeah. Um, is, is there situations where the producer is the engineer or is it always two separate people? Yeah. Does, you know, does the producer always work with a certain certain engineer over and over because they have a great working relationship or, you know, how does that all happen? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously I can speak for, for me and, and others that I, I know of or have heard of. Um, but, um, I think the answer is all of the above and, and, uh, traditionally, you know, it's kind of like you rewind the clocks to like pre-music business crash, <laughs> you know, in like the early 2000s or whatever, um, you know, internet basically coming on the scene mm-hmm. um, and post crash, <laughs> um, really meaning like um, money, like a lot of money mm-hmm. involved and then like like a very little amount of money involved. Um, uh, so uh, pre-crash, I think it was... Uh, from my understanding, totally normal, um, it, uh, par for the course to have um, a producer and have a separate engineer. Um, and like post maybe like 1980 something somewhere, um, a mixer, certainly in the 90s, um, uh, that those three people were uh, almost, or usually were different people um, and there were more you would have in the uh, like nineties, you would have like late nineties, a pro tools engineer um, just operating pro tools. And, and then you would have like a second engineer and maybe a third engineer. There, there was like a shit ton of people yeah. <laughs> like in, in the thing. Yeah. It's like making They're a move. the stats for sure. Yeah, totally. Um, and, uh, and then as, um, and I think it would be more unusual back then to have one person do all of those jobs, like not unheard of at all, um, but uh, less common. And uh, and then as budgets tightened, um, which was really like I came up, I started interning at a recording studio, I think it was 1999. So really like right at the turn of the whole thing. And um 
And so when I came up, it was you started to see all those jobs like collide and um, often largely because I think because um, the, there was just not enough money to pay everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of like, um, you know, can't like, Hey, you're the producer. Can you also like mix it? Cause like, we don't really have enough money to pay this other dude. And like, and Hey, do you really need that engineer? Like, you know, like, can't you just like, like turn the knob or whatever. Uh-huh. And like, <laughs> and cause that would be cheaper for us. Uh-huh. And like, um, it was, a lot that it was also to be fair like um as the digital age came into the recording studio uh the job the jobs got simpler so like mm-hmm. so conducting a session at least when i first started which was at the tail end of complicated analog sessions um there were, you needed a lot of hands on deck like if you were running two tape machines and and you had a full analog console and you know patch bay and and i mean studios have consoles and patch bays but mm-hmm. like man cutting records to tape just there's a lot more uh, hands on deck needed to m- make it work um but today with pro tools like you really don't need all of those people. It would it would be redundant. There's just less to do in a session, technically speaking, especially when you cut tape out of the equation. Um, so I think it was part that like you don't need as many people to do it, um, and a lot of it was budgetary. Um, and then for, for me personally, um, I I just learned that way. I came up um, being in a band and getting interested in recording and I interned at a studio and I was like learning the technical side, but I was always interested in the music side because I just came from a band and like, and that was like normal. And, and then I like, I, yeah. um, Trying to think, I think, I think I can safely say this. I think that, uh, everything I've ever produced um, in my lifetime, or at least 99% of it, um, I've always engineered and mixed. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So, uh, like, you know, the Fall Out Boy record I did, um, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, the uh, a band that nobody's ever heard of, um, the last Beach Bunny record I made, uh, I've, I've done all of those jobs. Mm-hmm. And, and just because... I learned that was the way I learned how to do it. It wasn't because um, of any other great reason. And you're not a control freak, is what um, you're telling us. Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, maybe I, I hope not. But like, um, no, actually, like I would love to have like an, an amazing mixer um, mix a record I produce if if I'm a fan of theirs, you know. And there was a budget, but like, sure. man, that is just not the deal these days. Mm-hmm. And um, and there have been times, a few times, where somebody else has mixed a song or two, um, a record that I've made, but it is really, really rare. Um, and what was I going to say? And, oh, my main point was, and I'm not unique like that today. Like, mm-hmm. so that's the, as far as I am I'm understand, that's totally normal. Like, um, and the people who have things divided up um, are either probably... Um, a little bit like a generation before me and that's just their system Mm -hmm. and they have they've had enough success to carry that Um, (laughs) or people who are probably in the like super high end um, successful like tier of record making and and either the record company wants those to be divided um, or they just have that luxury to like um, be able to divide those jobs and and they do them um I do have like a, a couple friends who are in that world, um, 
but I think most of them are like me and mm-hmm. and it's I forgot what your original question was <laughs> no, 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 it's great it's like yeah. you're you're coming at it from three different perspectives yeah. right and yeah. so it's, it's that, helping you put that, that answer that puzzle question. together okay okay yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. absolutely nailed yeah. it yeah yeah okay yeah and from from a band standpoint I mean I I would rather have less people to deal with you know yeah. and 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 like if I successfully um convey what i'm looking for as a band to the producer and that producer comes up with with what i like i don't really want another person mixing it because yep. the producer knows what i want yeah like yeah you know unless they don't have the skill to do it right i'd rather they would do it yeah dude 100 percent. Mm-hmm. yeah i think i would feel the same way yeah you know it like it would be like if you know i don't know like if you were gonna um you know, build a house or something like that. And like, you could hire one person to like do the architecture and the building. And, you know, it's like who could somehow do all of it. That's so much easier than having like 10 people on the yeah, project sure. that you got to communicate to. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just did a record or an EP for a band um, uh, that they're from out of town and they were asking, they didn't know that I, I mixed. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, they they didn't know that I mixed um, like in general, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and they asked me. Um, we had talked. We like had this long conversation about like production and all this stuff. And at the end, um, I think they they were just used to their producer. I know they were now in in L A. Um, hiring out a different mixer. And at the end of our conversation, they're like, okay, so big question. Who do you use to mix? And, and I was like, uh, Sean O'Keefe. Uh, me? And, like, um, and for a second, I was like, oh, if they're asking this question, they're totally going to think I'm like not legit. If uh-huh. I'm like, yeah. I do it too. And they're like, yeah, right. Or like, you know, like they're just expecting yeah. like, and I was like, I do. And they said what you said. They're like, oh, that makes life so much easier. Yeah. Like, you know. It's not a game of telephone anymore at that point. Yeah. yeah. Um, although, I, yeah, I think that they said that, like, we think that makes life easier. And then it, and then we had to get through an actual mix. They were probably, like, skeptical, as they should be. Uh-huh. And, and then, like, and then like we got through a mix, and they were happy. And they're like, okay, this legit makes life mm-hmm. easier. And, um, you know, that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so let's, well, we talked a a lot about the, the definitions, right? But I mean, at at some point we should jump into talking about fallout, fallout boy and how this all really, really kind of got rolling for you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Do you mind? Sorry. Maybe you get asked this question all all the time and you're like, I'm Uh, done talking about fallout boy. No, 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 no. Um, no, I, I don't mind at all. Yeah. So then our question becomes how do you get on their radar? How did, how do they get on your radar? How does, how did you guys come together to, to make, take this to your grave? Yeah. Um, let's see. We, uh, most of us grew up in similar neighborhoods. I grew up in Wilmette. Um, uh, I actually went to the same high school as, as Pete, the bass player, um, for, but we didn't really know each other in high school. Um, but we did go to the same school. Um, and, um, and Patrick, the singer, uh, he went to a high school, like a neighboring high school, um, West, I forget the name of it, but like, and, and Joe, the guitar player also went to my high school, although we knew each other, but weren't 
friends. We didn't hang out. Um, and anyway, so we were all within like a like proximity of each other already without mm-hmm. knowing each other. And um, and in high school, I just played drums in um, uh, a few like punk bands. That was kind of like what we just did, you know. Like, sure. Um, that was our fun thing. Mm-hmm. And um, and. Those guys also were playing in bands, um, but we weren't in the same circle at that point in time. Um, and then after high school, I um, I was like delivering pizzas and trying to like pursue the recording thing. And um, I mean, basically, uh, I I uh, I went to recording school at uh, Columbia College. Um, and, uh, for like two months and I, I dropped out cause I, I hated it. And, <laughs> um, Hell yeah. yeah. And I've kind of told this story, um, without going too deep into mm-hmm. it. Like, um, it's really ridiculous and, and totally fortunate and lucky. Like, um, my, the deal in my family was my, my dad is like a huge academic. Um, he went to Northwestern university and got like, I think uh, three um, master's degrees. He's he's like a lawyer, an accountant, and a business <laughs> wow. degree. It, it's like nuts. Like uh, um, yeah. he's like a total <laughs> academic. And guy loves school. Uh, yeah, he loves school. <laughs> and and so didn't love me not going to school. <laughs> like um, like I'll, I'll by a large margin. And um, and all of my other family members went to sc- like college. And so in our family, the deal was um, uh, it you go to college and and the college you go to um he will my dad will pay for your living expense um while you're at college which is a total luxury mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and i uh battled him basically to go to columbia college which uh i wanted to do recording and in his eyes was like not like legit in any sure. way um and i somehow convinced him to do that and point being uh, because I lived here, you couldn't um, uh, you couldn't uh, live at the dorms if you lived in Chicago or whatever. Um, you had to be from out of town, I think. Um, and so uh, he was going to allow me to rent an apartment and and pay for that rent. Um, and so I drove around looking for a building that looked like I could make noise in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and I, I stumbled upon this little like freestanding brick building not too far from here in Skokie. Um, and uh, and I and it said for rent. And and I knocked on the door and it was it was a, a freestanding brick building and, and it was divided into two halves. And on one half, the owner owned it and he was like, you know, yes, this other half is for rent, but I, I work here <laughs> during the day. And, and I, I think I just point blank asked him, I was like, uh, do you work like nine to five? And he's like, yep. And I was like, is anybody else in here after five or on the weekends? And he's like, no. And he's not I, weirded out by any of these questions. Yeah, <laughs> I know. This okay. is insane. <laughs> like, I can't believe that that conversation even got that far, yeah. let alone to where it got from there. And yeah. cause I'm like an 18 year old kid. Right. And, um, with nothing. And, uh, and then I said, can I, can I like, can I stay here? First of all, you can't, you're not supposed to live there. (laughs) Like, um, I was like, can I stay here and make music, um, after you're gone? And he, and he said, yes. And, and I was like, had been on the market for a while. So so I was like, deal. And, you know, and I, and like, I could, I had a pizza delivery job and, and, and it was, 
you know, so my dad paid for that rent um, while I was in college. So I, this is a really long story of getting to how I met Fall Out Boy, but like, but in an important part of it. And so anyway, so I moved into this place um, and, uh, and I was living there and, you know, you're like not supposed to live there and there's no kitchen and all this shit. It was an office building. Sure. I lived in an office. Right. And, um, and so I moved some recording equipment in. I was going to college. Um, I quit college because I was already recording like a lot of bands. Um, all, I was just recording bands and mm-hmm. uh, I was a part of like a scene of bands with my band and I just became like the guy that everybody would come to and, um, and Fall Out Boy um, eventually, let's see, how do I make this not super long? Um, <laughs> what happened was each one of them individually had a different band before Fall Out Boy and all of those bands came to me to record their band first. And so like Pete and Andy had a band called Arma Angelus. I made a record or two for them. Patrick had a band called something and I made a record for him. Uh, Joe was in a band and I recorded a record for him and um, we were all friends. And then basically um, this band called Knockout was another, like one of our friends bands. Um, I did some demos for them. Knockout got a record deal with Fearless Records based on these demos. Um, and I got asked to make the record and it felt like, you know, oh my God, this is like, we're, I'm making a record on like a record label and like I, I've made it, you know, or yeah. whatever. And here we uh, go. Yeah. It was pretty hilarious too, because when they got signed, I didn't know anything about anything. And, and I was like, <laughs> dude, we're going to have like $200,000 to make a record or something like <laughs> something ridiculous and and they called me they're like we're good to go we have like nine thousand dollars and i was like oh shit like a change of plans um and uh but even then that you know was still like probably 10 times any budget i ever had sure. and like um and so during the making of the knockout record um pete started showing up and hanging out and and he was like hey um patrick and i uh, have started a band called Fall Out Boy. It's kind of a joke band, um, but will you uh, record us? And always a good start. It's uh, a joke band. Yeah, <laughs> yep. And and it, it kind of evolved out of that. So like, and I, in, at that point, I was like, oh, pa- I thought Patrick was a drummer because Patrick played drums in the band that I recorded him in. And he's like, no, no, he's singing. And um, and then there's a whole other layer to that. I, I won't, you know, go right into. But um, but basically, I met them through that those circumstances and um you know and then we did demos and they shopped them around and people liked the demos and um and asked us to do more demos and and we did more demos and they got a record deal basically and um they asked me to finish the record and um and so that was take this to your grave you know yeah Um, and you're like, this is just how it works now, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy. <laughs> yeah. it's just, just one thing falls after another, right. right? Yeah. I literally had a conversation with my manager today. Um, this is pretty hilarious. I was uh, about a, a proje- another project, um, a future project, and, and I was asking about the royalties of the contract. And my manager um, has known me for a very long time. But, um, and, and I was like really grilling him about like uh, some royalty questions. And he was, it was him and my others, I like two managers basically. And he goes, he's like, Sean, uh, <laughs> he like stopped me dead in my tracks. He's like, I, I really, I really got to say, what's with the royalty questions? <laughs> and, 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 and I was like, well, you know, and he goes, let me stop you. And he's like, 
you know, you had a record or two in the beginning that made some royalties. Totally not normal. Like totally doesn't happen. Like, and and he goes, put the royalty thing out of your mind. And, and he's like, like let's get back to reality. And if you win the lottery again with a royalty on a record, great. Mm-hmm. But like, let's not think about any royalty. Let's not plan on any ever royalties coming in again. And it was like you know, like a cold shower. But I was like, oh okay. Uh-huh. okay. Uh, it was just kind of like you were a little fucking kid and you got lucky, yeah. you know. Yeah. But like. Um, that's it. <laughs> in that moment when you're recording it, it's now gone on to be, I was going to say infamous, but that's not the right word, right? It's a legendary album, right? Legendary, yeah. Uh, do you, are you aware, are you like, when you're recording, are you like, this shit's good? Or like, are people's reactions to it to, to this day, does it surprise you? Or are you like, yeah, we were fucking cooking in there? <laughs> um, I mean, no, I didn't think that. But like, um, I thought... We did we did the first three demos that ended up going on the record um, to as is today and in in one of them is called like Dead on Arrival I think is the name um, and and it became one of the singles so point being that demo we did um, stayed on the record we didn't redo anything and um, and I do remember after that first set of demos um, I was driving home and listening to it and and I did think it was I thought to myself this sounds like real. I was like, this actually sounds like, like, <laughs> yeah. like something like I'm, I hear like when I listen to music, yeah. it sounds like real music <laughs> you know? or, like, or like, it sounds like something like, yeah, I was like, holy shit. And it like kind of surprised me. And I called Pete and I was like, yo, Pete, I was like, I'm listening to what we just did. And I was like, dude, I think you've got something here. I was like, it sounds like real to me. And I was all excited. And he was like, well, I fucking hope so. He's like, we just spent all this time and money doing this. And, and <laughs> um, yeah. And then it wasn't a joke band anymore. It wasn't yeah. a joke band anymore. That's right. They're la- it's um, a joke. They're laughing all the way to the bank. Right. Uh, no yeah. one's ever made that joke before. Yeah. And then man, make, turn making the record. I, I don't know. If I, I didn't, you know, I don't think I felt anything other than I was so excited to be doing it. Sure. I was, um, I've always been, um, like, um, uh, Patrick's, uh, who, who was like the main kind of writer and musical force behind the band, his musical energy has always radiated with me and has always, um, been exciting, um, being in the room with him. So yeah. like, it, he's it, incredibly talented. He's incredible. I mean, they all are, he, but he like- is, he is the off the charts deal. in terms of yeah. vocals and chops like playing. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, he, uh, like, I know he gets a lot of credit, but he doesn't get in my mind nearly enough credit. Like he's like legit, like, like so good at what he mm-hmm. does. Um, and, and he's, he's gone, uh, past there. He's been film scoring for like seven years and oh, wow. he understands like v- voice leading and, and like orchestral, um, arrangement. I mean, he is really, his mind is deep in music wow. and, um, and he he's radiated that since the minute I met him, and so it's exciting being in a room with him. Like, yeah. And so I think I felt that. I don't think I had any like, oh, this is gonna do anything. You know, I I wasn't thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, had no idea, but yeah, it felt it, it felt engaging. You know. Yeah. Um. And a really good question. I was gonna ask you about this. That's so cool, you've yeah. like, uh, <laughs> I gotta nail this one. Uh. <laughs> and so like. And correct me if I'm wrong, like you went back and you worked with them again on like an EP not that long ago. 
Um, I, yeah, I worked on a, a song. They put out a three-song EP, and I did work with them. Um, I did one of the three songs. Uh, yeah, like maybe a f- like like four years ago or something like that. It was the first time they um, they were headlining Wrigley Field. Um, okay, and which I, which I'm I'm sure um, was a big moment for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a big moment for any, any band. <laughs> sure. um, Unless they're Sox fans. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's me. That's In which me. case it's like, it's like socks. Like <laughs> I would refuse to play it. That's right. Yeah. Who wouldn't, you know, like <laughs> we're moving the venue or yeah, no, exactly. Sure. Um, yeah. And you know, so they had a song, um, they were, I think they were basically releasing it in, in, promotion uh for that and it, the song was called lake effect kid it, it was kind of like a chicago throwback thing it um it was like also from the era of kind of take this to your grave it, it was not it was written post um take this but it was i think maybe like a demo during their second or third record um and uh but anyway yeah they asked me to do it it was um it was really awesome to be asked to do that. And we, this time I went to California and we did it out there and, um, yeah, it was, it was great. So like ride a bike, fall right back in with them. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Um, you know, it really was like the, um, <laughs> everything was kind of the same. Like our jokes were like the same <laughs> and like our yes. sense of humor, like we kind of even joked about that. The, I think the only like major difference was that like we could order whatever food we wanted. <laughs> um, you didn't have that nine K budget. Anymore. And yeah. <laughs> and like somebody brought the drums to the studio and like tuned them <laughs> and like, um, and, and I had assistance and yeah. like, um, and the studio was bigger. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, um, uh, but besides that, yeah, you know what? It really was like kind of the same thing, which was, like pretty fun to be honest yeah i bet um it's it's not every day you get to work with somebody after like over a decade right no no um, uh if i want to hire you i'm not i'm yeah. not a musical person other okay than yeah. being a fan, you might not want to hire me okay <laughs> i don't know i like hanging out with you uh, okay yeah oh, if, fair, fair enough if i'm a musician and i want to hire you what is that process like um yeah it, it's pretty straightforward honestly um it, it usually goes one of two ways um either um, you you happen to know me through friends, um, in which case you reach out directly and just ask um, if I would be, you know, um, if, if I'm available to uh, work on your music. And then um, if it's somebody I don't know, they often track me down through my management. And it, it's the same conversation. It just goes through them. But, um, uh, but if we... It, it, um, like when a band comes and asks that if they want me to produce their music, um, it, it usually starts. I mean, to be totally honest, like um, it it starts with um, uh, hopefully hearing some music to see if like um, if I can feel like I'm any value mm-hmm, to the project. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm super fortunate right now to be in that situation where like. I can be more kind of selective of, yeah. of what I take. And that is not always the case. And like, so usually the, the scenario of like a freelance person um, and for the bulk of my time doing this, it's anybody in the freelance business knows like, you're just like, it's like, yes, yes. Yeah. You say yes to everything. <laughs> sure. Um, sure. And, um, but 
like right now, um, yeah, it'll start with kind of listening and seeing if if uh, if it seems like it makes sense for me to be involved. Um, and then and then the other part, to be fair, is there's a budgetary thing in there, and like and it's it's not um, it's not that it's um, about like how much money, but some, some things aren't just feasible, you know, yeah. realistic. And so well, it's also like weeks, if not months of your time. It's not it like can be. they come in, it's one song, it takes five minutes and they're out. Right. No, no, not at all. And like, and, and so sometimes you just have to like, you know, um, you got to kind of like figure that out quickly just mm-hmm. because it's not like worth, like if you don't figure that out, I like it takes a lot of time to listen to somebody like I'll listen to a lot of your music you know and and go through demos to get ideas of where I think we could go but that that's a that that's already takes time and like and so if you get asked to do a handful of projects every week that's a lot of demos you're listening to <laughs> yeah. like on top of your actual job yeah. um and so um yeah so it starts with those two things and then if if the budget kind of lines up and the music kind of lines up um then it evolves into a conversation of like all right like um what are we what are we really looking to do mm-hmm. like um let's uh let's have like let's set some like you know reasonable expectations like um um, where, where, how are we going to do this logistically? Um, what are you looking to get out of it? What, you know, maybe what didn't you like about your previous situation? Mm-hmm. If you sure, had a previous sure, situation, sure. like, um, or if you didn't, then it's like, um, uh, you know, okay. You know, where are you at? Like, is this, uh, yeah. like, are, are you going for it? Are you a new band who's like, you know, are you, trying to get a record deal are you um a weekend warrior trying to do this for fun are you a dad <laughs> sure. rock band you know like yeah, yeah. all of the above yeah. and um and then um and then you start planning you know um you kind of start putting the pieces together it, it gets complex like i've you know i have a project i'm involved in now that is um well, Beach Bunny, as we were talking about, yeah. and and that's going to last for a few more months, probably, and and then I have another record after that um, that I'm supposed to be doing, and and that's going to take a few months. And so, like, if somebody was to ask me today, it's kind of a conversation of like, you know, can you wait yeah. until the end of the year or maybe next year, mm-hmm. and um, right. and then if if it's something like that, I'm like in love with, it's like, all right, how do I fucking move some mountains to make this <laughs> sure. happen? You know, sure. Um, and um, yeah, that kind of goes from there, you know. So, how did Beach Bunny get on your radar? Like, how did they approach you? Or, <clears throat> um, yeah, Beach Bunny was crazy lucky. Um, I made when I when I was making the Fall Out Boy record or the demos, I made a record for or an EP for a band. So we're talking like twenty some years ago. <laughs> um, uh, called Five O Four Plan, and my friend Tom was in that band. And um, uh, I hadn't talked to Tom, I think, for like fifteen years. Um, Tom moved to New York. I knew that. I I, th- I thought Tom was maybe. Um, managing uh, band bands, um, I, I didn't totally know where Tom was at. Um, I, may, I probably talked to him ten years before. I I don't know, but like you know, almost did not talk to him. And I got an Instagram message one day out of the blue <laughs> from him, and he was like, "Hey, uh, Beach Bunny's looking for somebody to record them. Um, 
would you be willing to do it? And, and at this point, I was living in Texas. Uh, my my uh, better half, uh, Claire, she had like a, a job that took us to Texas for a couple of years, happened to be all during the pandemic. And so I was basically just mixing um, for a couple of years for the most part. Um, and, um, and we had plans to move back here. But anyway, point being that uh, he was like, hey, do you want to do a thing for Beach Money? And and I didn't know them at the time. And I looked him mm-hmm. up and I liked it. And I was like, oh, definitely. I want to do this. And then it dawned on me. I was like, oh, they don't know I'm in Texas. They think I'm in Chicago. <laughs> sure, sure. And, um, and so I talked to Beach Bunny and they're like, they asked if I would be interested. And I was like, yep. And and I was like, I'm not telling them I'm not in Chicago. <laughs> and, and they're the like, you know, there. how does like two weeks from now look? And I was like, yep. And, uh, and so I flew in. You know, eventually, I think I hey, told Hey, honey, him. we're moving back to Chicago. That's right, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I, ironically enough, we kind of did like like a week before I ended up making the whole record, but that was a different story. I didn't know that was on the table at the time. Um, mm-hmm. And and so I flew in, and I was, I was under the impression we were doing what we were, one song. And we spent a few days in the studio, um, never met them. We had that conversation. It was like a Zoom call before. Mm-hmm. Kind of talked about like what happened before in Beach Bunny Land. What they're trying to get out of this recording. Um, and we did the song. Um, it was really fun. I flew home. I mixed it. I sent it to them. They gave me a deadline. Um, they seemed happy with it. I thought that was it. I was like done. Like the guy who. Uh, I think I think it was the same guy who made their last record and EP. I could be wrong, but I was like, they've got their guy. Just end a story. Mm-hmm. That was fun. And and then like a week later, um, I got a phone call and uh, they said, hey, would you be interested in doing the record? And and I kind of learned that was like a test. I think. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. And. Um, and of course, the answer was, you know, absolutely. Um, and then it happened to coincide that um, we were moving back from Texas to Chicago. And um, and literally, I had to fly back a week early to start the record. Um, and, um, and then Claire came back um, like uh, a week later as I was like already starting this record. And um, so I was like moving across the country and starting a beach bunny record and we were trying to like buy our house and um, it was kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that's how that happened. Um, uh, are we allowed to say that you're working on their new album right now? Yeah, I think okay. so because the, uh, we can edit this part. Uh, no, 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 no. Yeah. You can, you can say, I'm going to say you can say it because they've posted so many times okay. of us in the studio and so i always think when that happens we're good because like <laughs> they they've they've made plenty of posts about it with me involved um and so uh yeah so i, I am making the next one and honestly i think since the day i recorded that first song to the best of my knowledge um i think i've done everything beach bunny has released at least to this point um and and then yeah including now we've started this uh, next record, we're we're part in in way you know part yeah. way. In, it's amazing. In it's got to be a good feeling. It's a, it's a really nice feeling. Yeah, yeah. it is uh, humbling and um, always you know cut, when bands come back, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. for yeah. sure. Um, I, I'm trying to be respectful of your time, so I'm oh, <laughs> you're good. Man. Speed yeah, through yeah. this. I could ask you a million questions. Yeah. Uh, I have one that has been like percolating in my head. So. 
it seems like the barrier of entry to like record music is lower now than ever, right? With like Bandcamp, SoundCloud, things like that. Has, yeah. Has how has that or has it impacted the way that you record and, and approach producing and, and just music in general? Yeah, it, it's a good question. It has totally changed things, um, even um, in in almost all situations, and um, so like often um with bands that i work with uh what happens is we'll do um like um especially when they come in from out of town which which has been hap- it feels like it's been happening a lot lately so mm-hmm. um when a band's in from out of town you have a limited amount of time and and then that's it and like and so because most bands have the capabilities of uh doing shit on the back end you know um they can go home if we don't get everything done they can finish like in we can have like all right you got to like you know cut these background vocals or send me stuff and um and so it's it's not as much like it's these two three or four or five weeks and it's done Mm -hmm. it's like it there are loose ends that's really cool and that's interesting and it that can be really helpful i mean it, it can cause you know chaos yeah, but it depends like, on how good yeah, they are uh, at deadlines right yeah 100 <laughs> percent. and yeah. um but also on the front end it changes stuff too so like so bands um now have the ability to do like uh pre-production and uh, like really good demos right. and yeah and so much so that like um it like uh, some often will I'll get a demo that comes in where like a couple parts sound so cool and it's like I don't even know how I would make it sound that cool mm-hmm. like we're gonna <laughs> use that and we're gonna build off of it yeah. and what's the point of redoing it right. um, and like so uh, people like you uh, like, don't make me do work again right? yeah that's right yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, it can it can really it can be really helpful so. Uh, I, I just did a few songs for this band called Motion City Soundtrack um, mm-hmm. that I've I've known for a long time and and done stuff with mm-hmm. a long time ago. I did a couple things, but we've we kind of embarked on some new stuff recently, and and this was a big part of it. So it's a good example because Motion City, the you know these guys have they've made a whole bunch of mm-hmm. records, you know, some really good ones, some really yeah, good yeah. records. I, I'm a huge fan, and they know that. Yep. Um, and so it was like a real. Um, this is a real exciting thing. It was very exciting for me to get that, you know, asked to that invitation um, to work on their stuff. And, um, but, um, so those guys are now, like two of them are in Minneapolis. Um, one is in LA, one is in Portland and one is in New Jersey. And and so like, um, the, even the idea of them getting together to rehearse is, is really difficult unless mm-hmm. they're on tour. And so the technology has allowed like they can start the demo process and they send shit back and forth yeah. to everybody yeah, and then yeah, they yeah. send it to right. me and like and there's so much work ahead of time and so then these guys came into town you know and we cut what we can cut and we did not we were not able to finish everything we had hoped to do um and uh w- with the understanding that it could be done on the back end and mm-hmm. and so everybody like flew home and at this point, we didn't have like a, a deadline that at least I knew of. But um, one of the songs I think got, I think I, I'm 
I, I'm pretty sure I can say this because it's already happened. Um, uh, uh, a film director they liked a lot wanted one of the songs for his film in, that it was going to be in Sundance last month, um, and it was going to be like in the ending credits, and mm-hmm. it was really exciting. Big but deal. yeah, it was a really big deal. And but this is like Sundance was in January, and we recorded this in like December, and uh, and they hit me up and they're like. Good news, like songs gonna get put in a uh, movie. Bad news, songs not done, vocals aren't done. Like we yeah. need to finish it, <laughs> yeah. and it was like okay, no pressure. Um, yeah, and so like guitar parts had to get done some remotely. One guy did come through. Some vocal parts had to get done remotely. So that was a big advantage, um, you know. And then I could mix it and I could send it to everybody, mm-hmm. and they could listen to wherever they were and and done. Um, so that's like a good example of how technology has changed the way I work. It's like, um, it can fill in a ton of gaps, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, um, yeah, it's not all just show up and be done. Um, always. That's, that freedom must be in- intoxicating to a certain extent. Yeah. It's really nice. It, and it's only gets tricky when, um, when the, you have a lot of those in the air, like a lot of like plates spinning, yeah. you know, so yeah, to speak. Right. Um, you're a professional yes. juggler is what you're talking uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. And so yeah. I try my best to like, um, I'm really trying it's hard to, to maintain the focus time. then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I have to be really careful with like telling everybody I'm working for, if I'm working with multiple people at one time, like I'm only working on this this mm-hmm. week or this, you know, these two weeks or whatever. And like, and I don't do the juggle, you know, like, uh, I, like, or else it would be impossible, like, to, to work It's a on, detriment like, to them, ultimately. Yep, yep. Yeah. yeah. And, and so that's the deal. So if I'm in the studio with that artist that day or that week or they're in town, that's the only thing, right. I'm, unless it's an emergency. Um, and um, so you got to manage we, it. We feel super special because... Sean said this was his only day off for yeah. the next month, and here we are doing the show. Just let these so. two assholes in here, yeah. right? So, yeah. Oh, man, I'm, I'm beyond honored to do it. And, and uh, no, 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 this is great. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I have a question for you, too. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, Fire away, man. I mean, there, there's only so many I want to ask you guys stuff. <laughs> Fall Out Boy Please. and Beach Bunny level bands that you're going to deal with. you got a lot of other people that, you know, that help pay the bills. Absolutely. Um, and, and there's so many... Some are awesome, great new younger bands that are just starting out. Like, what advice would you give them coming into the to studio with with relatively little experience? And what sort of like common mistakes and misconceptions do you see in you oh, know, that's newer good. bands? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I that's a really good question. I, I would say um, to a young band. Yeah, boy. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest thing, one of the biggest things that they should do um, is be re- like really own your song and and know it. Like like um, be really well rehearsed. Like because mm-hmm. look, at that point in time, you probably have all the time in the world, generally speaking. And like <laughs> um, and um, there's there's nothing there there's nothing that can be um there's nothing that can replace like a band who is super well rehearsed Mm -hmm. um and um like sloppiness on a live show is awesome i mean that that works well it doesn't work well in the studio when you're trying to make a record like live sloppy energy is cool and and yeah um and 
you know, I guess if that's your like, it, I would argue both ways on that. Like, I think I think if if that's your vibe, great. But mm-hmm. like, sure. um, but I think like more than even like, yeah, sloppiness and tightness. Like, um, you know, it's like no. Uh, just know your fucking song and know your parts. <laughs> like basically, be, okay, be, be a professional. A, be able to play it yeah. like you can play it live. Like be yeah. ready to play it in your set tomorrow as your first song in your set. Like mm-hmm. and um, that's would be my advice. And like so, it's it's really easy today for a band to think like we've got the riff, we've got the melody, um, we'll figure it out in the studio. It'll mm-hmm. get it'll po- get polished. Yeah, like you said in the studio. And it's like, you know, like, um, you've got the ability, like, like you got the time, like you play live, right? Like, so play it like you can play it live. And, Mm -hmm. and if you can do that, like, man, you're going to go, you're going to kill it in the studio. Like, because now you, you can focus on, on, um, using the studio as a tool to make it better. Like, Mm -hmm. um, instead of as a tool to kind of correct, like, um, what is already there Mm -hmm. or, or fill in gaps that aren't even there yet. So it's like, let the studio take you to a new level. Um, and then it's really like the same answer. It's almost the same answer, which is like common mistakes I see are that It, it, it's not, um, it's not being prepared enough, I would say, or leaning on that the studio is a place that um, will fix your problems. And it can, but I don't think it should, if, mm-hmm. um, especially in the beginning. I think it, it should be there as a place to enhance um, and explore if you've got extra time. Um, uh, you know, like bands often... Um, I notice uh, we'll leave things like um, harmonies or like extra parts as like, um, oh, we'll figure that out in the studio. And then they get in the studio and, and they'll be like, and they realize like, ah, oh, you know, it's it's actually a lot harder to like sing a harmony than sure. um, than I thought. And and it's like, you know, like singing harmonies is just as hard as like learning to play guitar. It's, it's like, it's, it's another thing. It's not like it's just going to come easy to anybody or most people. Um, and yeah, so I, I would say that and you'll be, you'll be killing it if, if you can do that. Um, and it'll be cheaper, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like cheaper and you'll have a better recording. Um, yeah, yeah, you'd be rocking. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 and when, and, and when I do have bands that come in that can do that, it's great. And mm-hmm. like, um, and like a band like motion city soundtrack, these guys are like seasoned pros. And so, um, they're able to come in maybe not even knowing the song as well, but they're so good at what they do yeah. that, that they can just like execute it. Like, you know, be, um, and it's a beautiful thing cause you can move on to the next thing of focus, yeah. you know, that's like, um, they, they know the routine, they know how to do it, but like yeah. with a newer band, like you must spend at least a fair amount of time, like educating them on certain aspects of it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that can, ha- yeah, it happens for yeah. sure. Without a doubt. Yes. Yeah. yeah. D- tones, you know, it's like they may come in thinking like, um, I'm looking for this tone and they thought it was like this and it was like, Oh man, that's not like mm-hmm. that tone at all. Or <laughs> right? like, that wasn't like, I'm pretty sure that's a totally different guitar rig or like, or or whatever you know and yeah and then you got to die you got to take a step back and kind of look at that stuff but um it's a learning process mm-hmm. and and to, it, for me every every project is a learning process still like because 
everything has a new set of variables. Um, so it keeps it, uh, you know, it keeps it keeps you on your feet. But your dad be so proud, a lifelong learner over there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if only he thought. <laughs> uh, so we're gonna ask sh- shift gears and ask some Chicago-based questions now. Oh, so, sick. Right, yeah. uh, our first one is is one of my favorites. He's yes. so excited. I'm gonna let you ask yeah. it. Well, well, uh, part of the reason is because he used to deliver pizzas. Yeah, and he loved doing that job. <laughs> oh, from yeah. what I understand, oh, yeah, because yeah. he could drive around and just listen to music. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah you, you've done some listening. Yes, but, yeah, indeed. Yes, <laughs> that's true. Yes. So, no, you got to do our, it this our, time. Our too. opening Chicago question is: being from Chicago, uh, deep dish pizza, thin crust tavern style pizza, deep dish. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going all okay. in. Okay. Whoa. Yeah. Do you have a do you have a spot that's your favorite? I do, and it, and it and and it may not be the most cool uh, answer for a Chicago person, but I don't give a fuck. And like, <laughs> I, I'm too old to care at this point. Right, and yeah, like, yeah. Um, but Lou Mel's is my that's Lou's, my jam. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. I'll take Lou's. Uh, we get all we get a lot of Lou's. Yeah. You do? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're good. It's yeah. good, man. Yeah. And it's not the most. I know it's not the most authentic. Mm-hmm. You know, Chicago. I mean, it, it feels it's a little less heavy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, and it's a chain at this point. But like, you know what, man? I re- I well, when I had my studio in Skokie, um, a friend of mine recorded. Maybe I recorded him too. Freaking Will Melnati, um, the grandson <laughs> paid in of pizzas. Lou. I'm wow. paid in pizzas. Serious, was recording in my studio for the week. Wow, free lose all wow. week. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. oh man, oh, that's, yeah. that's a hell of a gig. Yeah, yeah. man. Wow. So if you can uh, record Lou Melnati's, no, Will Melnati's <laughs> band, yeah. you're you're eating wow. good. We're gonna have to get wow. him on the. Pod. Are they any good? Um, I don't remember. <laughs> Pizza was good. Maybe he stuck to his day job. Uh, so. Being a, I'm gonna call you an audiophile, right? Sounds like you, you yeah, have, you yeah, like that's cool. Yeah. Good volume. So, I'll take that. what is your favorite venue to see shows at in Chicago? Oh, yeah, good question. Um, okay, boy, this is gonna be, uh, well, all right, I'm going with two. One, one doesn't count because it's technically not Chicago and it's a totally lame answer, but oh. but my, my you know, uh, aging self, uh, does prefer it. Um, so you like space. I love space (laughs) because it's right down the street from my house and, and I can park green room and yep. And it's like, Jason said the same thing. Did he? Yeah. It's like, it sounds nice. It's intimate. It's the right size. Like, um, and it's close. And Mm -hmm. so, uh, that's my real actual honest answer, um, that I'll get like totally pegged for, but like, um, and then, you know, my favorite place because it has most of my favorite memories, um, is the Metro. Knew it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, like, period. Yeah. that oh, was, yeah. that's it. Yep. Um, Amazing. That place is like fucking history. For mm-hmm. me. So speaking of history, like you've, you've seen a lot of Chicago history. You've played a, a role in a lot of Chicago music history, right? With Fall Out Boy. Yeah. Plain White Tees, Hush Sound, <laughs> now Beach Bunny. Yeah. Uh, I hate to <laughs> regurgitate your CV back at you, but here we <laughs> oh, are. Man. So uh, what do you think makes Chicago and Chicago music special or unique? That's a good question. Um, special or unique. Um, uh, you know what? I, I, don't, I honestly don't even know if I know the answer to that question. Like, I feel like I could say something... Um, Hold on. I got to think. Let's go um, with what are some things that make it unique? 
maybe that makes it easier for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, and the reason it's like a hard question to answer is because like I don't know what it's like being in other cities because like I know other bands from other cities, obviously, mm-hmm. but like everybody else does. But um, I I've only lived here um, and. Um, I'm trying to think of what's like common with all those bands and I don't, you know, the only thing I guess I could think is that, um, Chicago, obviously Chicago is a unique city because every city is unique. Um, and, and maybe there's just gotta be, I would, maybe there's something to, um, the culture of Chicago that, uh, puts out like, a certain kind of thing like you know Chicago is kind of cool because it's like I think it's kind of classically like like a blue collar mm-hmm. working man's town yeah you I know? mean sometimes you get the um, landlord who lets you rent the other half of the yeah, building, yeah yeah just fuck around <laughs> and make music at night yeah and I think that there's something to be said for like it's a town it's a city where unlike LA um, where rarely do you run into anybody who's trying to be famous? Mm-hmm. Like, it, that's not like really anybody's like, game mm-hmm. here. Like, yeah. and sure in the music business, people want to do well, but like, um, y- it's just not like around, you know? And so that's got to rub off in some authentic kind of cool way. Um, and then, I mean, I would assume also like, you know, Chicago is like, you know, with the weather, it's like, Chicago beat you up, you know, in like a cool way. And like, <laughs> yeah. and, and it's a beautiful city. I love Chicago. Um, and it's, but it'll, it'll, I, and I lived in Chicago almost my entire adult life until a few years back. Um, and, um, and it's, yeah, man, you know, it's got some, there's, there's some grit with Chicago, you yeah, know, uh-huh, that's like kind of cool. And like, I like to think that that rubs off in the music and, um, you know, we got Wilco. We got some. We got some awesome stuff. You know, Fuck yeah, like, we do. There's so much awesome shit yeah. here, actually. Um, yeah, and I don't even know if, if people always know all of the awesome stuff that has mm-hmm. come out right. of Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, um, yeah, man. There's there's some good stuff. Yeah, it's kind of a little hidden gem. It's cool. <laughs> you have one day. You have friends coming to town, or bands coming to town, and they're like. Hey Sean, you gotta show us like something quintessentially Chicago. Where are you taking him? You're you're up here. Are you gonna take him to go see some uh, some? What's, I'm just totally spaced on his name. Some of those like you know Rat Pack movie houses. Like are you gonna take him to Cameron's <laughs> yeah, yeah. house from Ferris Bueller? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> to go see Kevin's house from I, Home Alone. I get bands that come in town uh, a lot. I think I was saying um, uh-huh. seven, uh, especially in the last year or two, and. And so those bands always are like, they're checking out the spots. Yeah. Um, now I'm usually working, so I'm not taking them. But okay. um, I've noticed that because uh, we're out here in Evanston, so uh, the Home Alone house is one. Yeah. Yep. Like they hit up the Gotta Home Alone house, man. Yep. Um, it's where we're going after this. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah. The the uh, the Cameron's house on stilts, man. Yeah. I think that's one. Um, I think I had a friend who uh, looked at. Uh, buying that place at one point Fuck, yeah, um, did. yeah and uh Beach street in highland park i mean i've heard i don't <laughs> right right i've never <laughs> driven by it before <laughs> oh man um you know tell them to go fucking catch a show at the metro right yeah it's hell like, yeah. come on um, hang out at the g-man yeah. hang out at the g-man for sure yeah, yeah. love the g-man yeah yep. yeah those are some solid places 
there's so many solid places, but yeah, those are definitely a few of them. Okay, just a couple more. Oh man, lay it on me. Uh, what is your go? This is our favorite one. What is what is your go-to cheap drink? We're currently drinking some High Life's, yes. but if left to your own devices, are, are you gonna like <laughs> me? Uh, have a High Life right now? Unfortunately, I would say I'm probably somebody who would go gravitate towards that. Yeah, that's cool. Hey, dude. Um, okay, cheap uh, Guinness all, Guinness. all day long. Okay. Does that uh-huh. qualify as a cheap sure. drink? Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. If I'm drinking beer and it's not the summer. I'm drinking Guinness. Uh-huh. Nice. Yeah. Okay. I'm an Irish dude. You know. <laughs> Sean, yeah. Sean Patrick never, O'Keefe. We would have never gotten Yeah. <laughs> I learned something new every day. Yeah. Uh, are you a Chicago lifer? You going yeah. anywhere? No. No? Uh, no, I'm a Chicago lifer. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. yeah. Good. I'm, I'm here for good. And you know what? Because we're sitting in the building that has my, behind my house, where it has my studio, temporary studio on the lower floor and as i told you guys i'm i'm in the process of building a studio above and i'll tell you what if for no other reason because of the cost of that fucker i'm here i'm gonna be you're stuck here. i'm gonna be buried in that studio i'm never going anywhere you got nowhere to go but up right? yeah literally right. uh and then our last question is uh do you anything you want to plug right now like what are you what are you really excited about you're working on the new beach bunny album any, uh, a, 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 any bands you want to reach out to right here to say, yeah. hey, I'd love to do your next record. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> uh, too too many. Um, okay. Yeah. Anybody yeah. you don't want to work with? <laughs> <laughs> Again. Hey, like, Narducey, man. Yeah. <laughs> Stop calling me. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I am doing something with Jason uh, coming up uh, between Beach Bunny and um, uh, I, I, I guess uh, I'm very, I think I'm I guess I can say it. Um, we have loose plans of doing more Motion City soundtrack stuff, which nice. I'm, I'm beyond oh, excited cool. about. Hell yeah. yeah. So, um, and, uh, uh, and, and then I have uh, Jason Narducci. We're, we're doing some stuff here um, I'm really excited about, although I don't, I don't, I'll stop it there because I don't know if he will uh-huh. want me to say exactly what it is. Sure. But, it's the next verboten um, album. You heard, yeah. it. Yeah. You heard it first. Yeah. I didn't say anything. <laughs> we tried uh, to get it out of yeah. him. It's not forthcoming. Come from multiple angles. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh man. No, I got nothing. Right. Uh, I got nothing to, to plug. Okay. Hey, <laughs> I'm just I, chilling. You know, we just want to say thank you so much. Absolutely. Uh, oh, you've made man. a lot of music that we hold near and dear to our hearts. Uh-huh. So oh, thank man. you for, for your contribution and the role you played in all that and just for being an all-around great dude we yeah. had an awesome time hanging out yeah we we'll have to get you back for round two at some point yeah. <laughs> i would i would love that and cool. you are totally welcome honestly thank you for having me seriously this is so fun it's so awesome and i'm humbled by you saying that <laughs> that's yeah, really sure. nice thanks awesome. so much hell yeah dude thank you all right thanks so much for listening today we are no wristbands we drink for free Music, of course, has been provided by Merlin Wall. Please check them out on Spotify or on Bandcamp. Please also subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at No Wristbands, and check out our website at NoWristbands.com. 